Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Post-game of the Browns' loss in Pittsburgh, Doug Maurice With Dan Lobby, Scott Pasco, Mary Kay Cabot, and Ashley Bastock. Dan, one thing I'm curious about, if the Chiefs had beaten the Bengals and the Browns had entered Monday night still alive in the playoff chase, would this game have gone any different in your mind? No, I, I don't. I, I think that... For it to have gone differently, you'd have had to, you'd have had to have been able to shut down T.J. Watt, and Baker Mayfield would have had to been had to have been great. And I don't know that either of those things were going to happen. So it might have gone a little better, but I don't necessarily believe that it would have gone completely different completely differently than it did in this game. Does anyone else disagree with that? I, I agree with Dan. I mean, they had most of their guys right, like no John Johnson the third, no Troy Hill, but they had. Greedy and Newsom and Denzel, man in the three corner spots. No Jack Conklin, of course, no Kareem Hunt, but as most of the full boat of dudes and they tried, they just were terrible. Like, was it I, I, that to me did not look like unmotivated. We don't care that much. That just looked like bad football to me. Did anyone think it would have been much different if they were fighting for their playoff lives? Not not if that was the game plan. I don't and I don't think Baker had to be great necessarily. For them to win this game, but he'd obviously need to be better, a lot better than he was. Uh, the surprising thing to me was how they really didn't do much to try and counter the Steelers' pass rush, other than hope that James Hudson and the rest of the gang up front would handle it. I mean, last season when they played the Steelers, they they really switched up the way they played. Like Baker led the league almost. I think he was second in time to throw. He was over three seconds last year, but when they played the Steelers. He, he had the quickest time to throw of anybody wildcard weekend, like 2.3 seconds. He was getting out fast. I did not get the sense that that was the case tonight. Uh, he seemed to have the ball a lot longer, and he seemed to be taking a lot longer to make decisions. There didn't seem to be a lot of those quick option throws, the things that you see from the Steelers, you know, short throws, get the ball out quick, and, and keep, the, keep the chains moving. And that, that didn't seem to be in the game plan today it was let's run the ball on first down and then when that failed miserably there was no plan b it was all right let's just try to pick up these second and third and really longs and it just it didn't work you know i think that uh the fact that nick chubb suffered a rib injury early on did not help matters and it didn't help matters that kareem didn't play 
Kareem was supposed to play in this game. And I think once, once uh, they got, you know, to the point where they were out of it, they, they didn't feel like that was worth the risk. And I think those two things did not help at all, but I, I just, I can't understand why they wouldn't chip James Hudson or, or help him in any way. I, I just don't understand how, how you could do that, especially when you've got a quarterback that needs to stay upright and needs to stay clean. It was just the most bizarre thing. And, you know, Baker mentioned it after the game. I mean, he wasn't happy about it. Kevin had no explanation for it. I mean, Kevin's Kevin's in charge of that. So I don't understand why they didn't make the adjustment. It, it was just mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, talking about the big picture of tonight, it's like James Hudson and Doug, I mean, I think you tweeted this, these exact words, like they left James Hudson on an island against one of the best edge rushers in the league. It really is mind blowing to, it was mind blowing to watch it in real time. It's mind blowing to think about it. Now there were just no adjustments and it doesn't matter who they had or what the stakes were or, or anything like that. The Browns just didn't counter what the Steelers were doing. So I'm going through the game right now and trying to watch all the passing plays and what James Hudson and TJ Watt did on those plays. First of all, like TJ Watt plays on the left side over the right tackle all the time. So that's just where he is. And that's a bad matchup for them. Um, Early, there's an early third down where they just leave Hudson alone and Baker gets sacked right away on third down. There's another one later, right before the end of the half. It's I think it's it's another Watt sack versus Hudson, but Baker triple pumped on it. That's completely a Baker sack, not a James Hudson sack. On that play, James Hudson actually did a pretty good job. He forced Watt wide back behind Baker. Baker hesitated multiple times and then couldn't get away. And then like in the second half, the where I am right now, their best drive, they hit a throw to Peoples-Jones over the middle of the field. David Njoku, Njoku chipped Watt on his way out in the route. And then on the touchdown throw to Njoku, Dearness Johnson, or no, Nick Chubb stayed in and helped on Watt. And you could see the difference. But some of the stuff, again, that, that A, Baker noted it, and B, Stefanski was like, yeah, that was bad. Mary Kay, this was a bad night for the Cleveland Browns. And if you would have told me before the game, hey, I mean, they're out of it. They're going to lose. But, you know, sort of everything's been written. I mean, I don't know. I I thought it went almost as badly as it could have gone. Clowney throwing the shoe. I thought Jarvis Landry had a penalty like on the first or second drive where he just came in motion and then just started going forward for like no reason. Veteran receiver just decides to get a, a, an illegal motion penalty. I just, I hate stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that came out with Odell and Jarvis in the Freddie year. So, but Mary Kay, I thought it was bad. And I thought it got worse in the post game. And I thought that again, we end up reading between the lines a lot with these guys. You didn't have to read as much right now on the level of frustration all around. And that offensively, the guy calling the plays and the guy running the show on the field are not on the same page. I thought that was as apparent tonight as it has ever been. And you've been talking about it all year. Yes, absolutely. I have. And if you you go, you can go back a long way uh, and see that I I started writing about the disconnect between Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski quite a long time ago. And I think now we're starting to see some of those things uh, trick at the end of, of his rope a little bit. And I think that he wanted to prove a point tonight to say, look, I'm out here and I'm, I'm laying it on the line. I'm laying it on the line for this team, for this city, for whatever job I'm going to have next year. This is who I am. This is what I do. 
and uh, he's very, very frustrated. And he, once again, uh, for the second time this season, criticized the play calling and, and, or the scheme and in particular, but even before the game, he said again to Alex Smith in an interview that um, on ESPN, that there are internal matters and I've had to fix some relationships in the building. Okay. So there's, there's stuff going on uh, and it, it has to get addressed and it's showing up on the football field and they've got work to do from top to bottom offensively. Dan, I, I thought when Baker came out and sort of like the first thing he said was something like it, it's, I have to look out for my own interests right now. And he was talking about, are you going to play next week? Are you you're going to, he said, I'm going to have the shoulder surgery. When are you going to have it? Maybe would you have it now and not sit out next week? And that's, that's the context that he was talking about, Dan. But I didn't think it was much to like expand that kind of viewpoint beyond the specifics of the surgery. And I think you asked the question at the end that sort of led Baker to the like, Hey, could I have played better? Yeah. Could the, could we have called the plays better? Yeah. Kind of stuff. But I thought Danny was right on the edge. I thought he was I, I, I thought he might say more because it sounded like he was sort of at the end of his rope. Well, yeah. And then that's why, you know, I, I had asked a question earlier and I was just kind of listening and then I stuck my hand up. I'm like, see if I can squeeze this one in. And he didn't quite go didn't quite go there. But I think he said what he needed to say. And I think what you mentioned with, with him looking out for his best interests, which frankly, he should right now at this point. And also, who did he say he was going to talk to uh, about shutting it down week 18? He didn't say, I'm going to talk to Kevin. I'm going to talk to Andrew. I'm going to talk to Jarvis. I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to talk to my agent. I'm going to talk to my family. So it, it felt it, it felt today like this is just careening where we think it's going to go. And, and I, I think it was more clear today to me than it has been that this just is not sustainable. And this isn't going to work long term. And I, th- I think Baker kind of, we might not ever talk to Baker again as a member of the Cleveland Browns. This might've been it. And it, these might've been, I, I don't know if he viewed them as parting shots because he might've been a little stronger if they were, but I think he kind of said some things he needed to say in this situation. I had my hand up, but I didn't get called on. And I'm a little curious why I didn't get called on. It's all right. I mean, it's fine. We have all plenty of people asking good questions. I had, do you have any regrets about playing this long through the shoulder and do you believe that the way you have played this year has negatively affected your future as a quarterback? And I kind of wish I'd get the answer to those two questions. Ashley, we're making too much of it. He's frustrated after the game. I think you were in the other interview room, but now you're hearing what we're talking <laughs> about. So for people, I mean, the inside baseball stuff, everything was on Zoom tonight. So even the people who were in Pittsburgh, there were no in-person interviews. Everything was on Zoom, and they had two Zoom rooms going simultaneously. So Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield, after him, spoke in one. Miles Garrett and Joel Batonio, other people spoke in the other. So that's what we're talking about. Ashley was listening to the other room. But actually, when just like you hear these words, just heat of the moment after yeah. a frustrating loss, or are we seeing something here? Oh, no. I mean, I think I agree with Dan totally. This thing feels it's felt so fragile, I think, for weeks. It felt like it was all just being held by some very thin, very fine string. And we're kind of witnessing in real time, I think, it all falling apart. And I don't even really I'm to the point I don't even really care who who's at fault. Like, 
if this would have been different, if that would have been different, if the plays would have been different, if Baker wouldn't have been hurt, like it doesn't matter to me. Like it just isn't working. And tensions I feel like are, have been bubbling for a while when you hear certain guys talk and certain things that are being said going back, you know, my second week on this job was the Odell stuff happening and going back to then there's been multiple instances where you're like, how, what is, what are the relationships like on this team in this locker room? What do players think about Kevin Stefanski? What does he think about certain players in the case of his relationship with Baker Mayfield? Um, It just feels so fragile. This is the emotions pod. If there ever was one, because I I truly don't know. And I I 100% agree with Dan. Like, it is that bad, I think, right now. I think the harness that was holding the entire team together, just like there's a harness yeah. holding Baker's shoulder in place, was the possibility of making the playoffs. Yeah. And that's what was – and once that's gone, I think you take the harness off and the shoulder falls out of the socket and the stuff gets revealed. And I think for all of us – that's what was holding it together for me. Cause it's like, well, do you want to bail on this team a hundred percent while they could still make the playoffs? Cause there's yeah. still upside. There's still talent here. I mean, when people have bailed on the Browns in the past, it's cause they don't have any good players. They have a lot of good players. They haven't played very well. They've played terrible, but like now all bets are off. Scott. I know Scott, Scott yeah, likes the numbers a little more than the feelings. So, but so, uh, but I, I think Scott is a good governor for us of like, if the four of us are like, ah, that's it. Dan just said we may never talk to Baker Mayfield again. It's a Cleveland Brown. That's what Dan Lobby said. Scott, you're the voice of reason. Are we making too much of this? I, did Baker say anything that Kevin Stefanski doesn't say after every loss? Kevin Stefanski, every time they lose, I should have put the teeth, I should have put the offense in a better position. I should have put Baker in a better position. And Baker basically kind of just agreed with that, I guess. That's I mean, that's how I took it. I I don't know. I, I tend to not want to be so much between the lines with these people because they're not public relations professionals. So many things are said during the year that are not communicated correctly. Um, and then you end up with Instagram explanations. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't have the same reaction to what he said concerning the offense as everybody else did. Um, I do think it was, maybe a little telling what he said about making the decision to play where he mentioned his agent and his family. And that was pretty much it. Um, but I don't know. Is it, is it scandalous that he said, yeah, the offense should have been put in some better positions this year. I mean, they have a losing record. I mean, so my, my opinion is slightly different. And I think when Kevin Stefanski says that to me, it is pure coach speak and Kevin Stefanski is really good at it. And sometimes he's so good at it that you will be in a press conference with him and be like, Oh wow, that was a fairly good answer. And then it's not until you go back and read it later. And you're like, Oh, he, it's just coach speak. Like he didn't really reveal anything or say anything scandalous, but it just is the fact that when Baker says it, like, and again, maybe I'm the wrong person to be, be speaking on this since I wasn't in the room listening to this in real time, but like it just any criticism from him in that regard is just different because when Kevin Stefanski for me is saying it, the motivation is so that the blame is put on him. That's where he wants it. And that's fine. Then we'll give you your share of the blame, but Baker doing it is still different for me. I I did think that, Listen, of course, and Mary Kay, I mean, you've been dealing with this stuff forever. You understand, you have a good pulse on this. Sometimes I get wound up. 
for a player to say, I, I need to look out for my best interest. Well, if you don't look out for your own best interest, nobody else is going to do it. That is not a, a standalone scandalous thing to say. It's a business. There's millions of dollars at stake. This is your career. I get that. But any time where it's pretty clear that like a player's interests might diverge from the team's interest and that it's put out that way, it it's a little fracturous, right? Mary Kay that I, that I don't, it's not Baker's not wrong. But it felt like to me, was this the first time we ever felt like Baker and the Browns diverged since the moment he got here? Or is that too much? No, I I think this was absolutely divergent. Uh, This was absolutely Baker making a statement that I've given you guys everything. I'm fed up. I have to do what's right for myself. I've played hurt this whole entire season. I've kept my mouth shut, kept my mouth shut about how I feel about everything. Uh, You guys know I wrote in that uh, trying to explain what he meant by internal things a long time ago, what some of he was feeling, trying to dig around and and figure it out. And he has not liked the play calling all season long. Um, It's it's been a bad scene. And I think tonight was, you know, he, he, it was sort of the last straw for him to get sacked nine times like that. And, uh, and I, I do think that he's trying, I don't think he's trying to say, I'm going to look out for my best interests in general, but just in terms of his health, uh, you know, I think he feels like it's time for him to, to take care of himself. But I do think that the, that there are larger issues, deeper issues, been trying to talk about them and write about them for a long time. These two sides are going to have to get together and figure out a plan. And if they don't figure it out, you, you guys see players are now taking matters into their own hands. Odell Beckham Jr. got himself out of Cleveland. That's what the, some of these guys do now. If Baker and that agent he talked about and that family and the strong team that he's got around him do not like what they see going forward, they will take matters into their own hands and try to figure something out because right now there's very big disconnect between Baker and the Browns. I I was just going to say, I I think there's a really, I I think the way he said things, I I think to say, you know, when you've got TJ Watt over there and not giving our rookie tackle a whole lot of help, that's not going to be good for him. To me, that's, that's saying to Kevin Stefanski, what are you doing? And then for him to sort of make the case um, and, and I'm trying to find the quote here, uh, make the case about just put on the tape. You know, if, if you want to question me, just put on the tape for this game um, and, and how he was getting it. I'm looking at, I can't hear it is. Um, if anybody ever questions how much I wanted, just turn on this tape. It wasn't pretty, but I kept going. I kept swinging. That's who I am. And that's who I'll continue to be. That's how I've always been. So I don't really know how to adjust it. You know, Baker's always had that bravado and he's always had that, you know, hey, I'm super competitive and, and all that stuff that athletes say all the time. But again, I, I just felt today he was sort of saying, I don't know, it felt today like it was different. It, it just it felt different to me. It, you know, Baker knows what he's doing. The, the guy knows what he's doing when he sits in front of a camera or when he when he goes to a press conference. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I think there was probably a lot of frustration today because he got sacked nine times and he probably sees the end of the line here. I, I was just going to bring up, like, how, how did how did things get so bad so quick? Like, we thought the Raiders' loss was bad. 
And then we thought the Packers loss was really bad. And then they get eliminated from the playoffs, but that wasn't even the bottom. Like it just got so bad over the last 24, 48 hours here. I, I don't remember another season, like just falling off a cliff like this. And they've had some bad seasons. I think about the year like when they for... were se- when they were seven and two and they put in Johnny Manziel and the whole building exploded. That fell off a cliff. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Uh, I, I was just going to say it. it is shocking and disappointing to see them uh, where they're at right now, where it just seems like it's imploding between the starting quarterback and the football team. When look what happened one year ago in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, one year ago in Pittsburgh to now, I mean, these two situations are light years apart. And I think Browns fans finally felt like they had their quarterback. They had their coach. They were golden for years to come. Ben was crying on the bench. It was going to be over for him. I mean, and now it just, uh, it almost seems like at least offensively, they're sort of back to square, not square one, if they can find a solution to go forward with Baker or if they can find a different quarterback, but they, they've got a lot of work to do right now. A lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about uh, last night, whenever we recorded that podcast after they were eliminated, time is uh, just a concept to me at the moment. But it, it's like the expectations were so high for this season that the fact that they didn't meet them and it did kind of spiral that quickly in terms of their playoff hopes, right? Like they didn't even get a chance to play this game and they had been eliminated. And last week we're asking them questions about you don't control your own destiny, but it's still plausible that you make it. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, and I, I think there's just been, it goes back to what I was saying before that these frustrations have been there. I think just more below the surface, but you could kind of say what, what's going on here. Like you could kind of feel them bubbling and now they don't have anything to lose. And you're talking about, you know, people who are now potentially uh, in the case of Baker Mayfield have to look out for their own future as well. So I, I just think it's a combination of all of these things. And again, it's the emotions podcast for a reason. I think there are a lot of emotions tied up in this and I, I, I know I'm being funny, but I really do think that like, I, I do think there is that element of things that is playing into all this. Well, there's a lot of pride. I mean, I mean, everybody has pride and Baker's look like crap. Yeah. And he knows he's looked like crap and it's embarrassing to look terrible all year. And so you start looking for things to blame, whether it's the injury, whether it's your play caller, because it's not as fun to blame yourself. So three quick things on Baker. One is when they go back and look at like the James Hudson stuff, they can go back and say, Hey, we left the Hudson on an Island here and he got to you. And then they can go say, here's you triple pumping while James Hudson does his job. While you have three plausible receivers who are open to the point that the Monday night football broadcast showed like the all 22 view of everybody who might've been open as Baker was pumping, pumping, pumping and not throwing it. And the broadcasters were like, well, what's he doing there? So like, that's you quarterback. So there's that there's the idea that no one questions Baker about whether he says, put on the film and and look how hard I'm trying basically. Right. No one questions how hard he tries. It's that you're not playing well. So like, I hope you were not putting on the film to say, look at my film, how well I'm playing. Cause that's false. We know you're trying a try hard discussion with a guy who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback for a team that was supposed to make the playoffs. Not that fun even though we know you're injured. We know it. it's not a try hard discussion anymore. And the other thing is 
if like the idea that like Baker Mayfield might want to like, I don't know if he wants to be here. I think the Browns will decide that they don't want him here before they get to the point of Baker Mayfield, like get me out of town. Like, okay, we're good. good. Here's the limo. So he can be mad and he's played injured. He's played terrible. So like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like he can be mad about playing through the injury and getting viewed as playing terrible. And along those lines, I'm going to make Dan lobby be Baker Mayfield next on the orange and Brown talk podcast. All right, Dan, you have a chip on your shoulder because the <laughs> questions are coming. I'm going to ask you the two Uh-oh. questions that I wanted to ask Baker. One is, do you have any regrets about playing this long through this shoulder injury? Should you have taken yourself out earlier in the season? No, because as you guys know, I'm a competitor and I want to be out there for my teammates and I want to fight with my teammates. Second is, Baker, do you feel that playing this way through the injury has negatively affected your future as a quarterback? Am I supposed to answer it honestly or answer it how Baker would answer it on a Zoom call? I think you I think there's an answer you can give there that that like I always I don't want to ask it if there's no chance, but like again, I have I have the answer, the ideal answer in my head. So let's see if you can give it. <laughs> oh, I know what it is, but go ahead. Okay. Ken. Okay, can you ask the question again? Yeah, Baker, I'm happy to ask the question again. Uh, sorry about <laughs> sorry about Caleb Williams transferring from Oklahoma today, by the way, also go Sooners. Baker, do you feel like what has happened this season and the way you have, you have played with this injury, has that negatively influenced your future as a quarterback? Well, I'm confident that I can bounce back from this season. And, uh, you know, I, I was going to be out there. I was, I don't even know how Baker would answer this. <laughs> I was going to go out there and fight for my teammates and how I looked to be damned. It was just about winning football games and we just didn't win enough football games. Scott, you got an alternate answer to that? You got loaded? Yeah, I got to do better. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, going, Doug. That's, that's the answer right there. <laughs> oh, God, a Jesus, Doug. I don't want to be in the Jesus club, though, for the Baker answers. I'm happy to avoid that club. Is there, is there something along the of like, you know what? I tried to play hurt, and I clearly am not myself. And I think I, I may have hurt my, my value because people are acting like I'm not hurt. I'm not close to myself and I easily could have said I'm done, but I didn't, I tried to hang in for my team. And the result is people are wondering if I'm the quarterback for the future of this franchise. When this isn't me, this has not been me at all. The whole last two thirds of the year. And all I hear is criticism when all I'm trying to do is suck it up and play at half of who I really am. Is there a version yes. of that? Mary Kay might've said yes, that is absolutely uh, what, what he would say and what he believes right now. That is it 100%. Now, the problem with that is that there is a disconnect between how he feels about that and how the team feels about that. He 100% believes that he was not himself, that it has everything to do with the harness. I think Alex Van Pelt, you know, I think he probably had a talk with Alex Van Pelt about like, why are you guys not, you know, why are you throwing me under the bus and making it seem like I'm not hurt when I obviously am hurt? There has been an obvious disconnect in the messaging between the team and Baker on how hurt he is. Right. I mean, we all can see it. The quotes are, are there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that he feels it has negatively impacted uh, his performance and his potential, potentially his future with anybody. And um, and I think the team is using it as a slice of the evaluation, not a humongous piece of the pie. By the way, can we get a shout out to coordinators doing interviews? Because every year, one of the Browns coordinators says something that goes against 
what the coach is telling us it, every, every year. Todd Munkin did it. I mean, yeah, it, it's awesome. Love coordinator interviews. <laughs> what does anyone else want to say about Baker? Because we have a couple of things we need to talk about, but obviously this is the number one issue. Have, have we, we covered this? I think that it's not old ground because what Baker said after the game affected, I think, the, the situation or at least everybody's view of the situation. Anybody else got Baker stuff they want to get off their chest before we move on? All right. If no, then we're going to go to Scott Pasco about the play calling because, Scott, I know you're looking at the first downs tonight and how ineffective they were. Why? Is it just because the Steelers have a good defense or did Stefanski, did the art of the play call not go well tonight? Browns have been bad on first down all year, especially when they run the ball. Uh, they were like, if you're going by DVOA, the whole efficiency metric thing, uh, they were second in the league rushing on first down. This year, they're like 20th, 19th, 20th, and they're going to drop after this game. Two of their biggest plays tonight were on, were on first downs. It was the, the Chubb run and the, the big pass to TPJ. Uh, take those out, and they average like less than two yards per play on first down in this game. And it's been like that for much of the season. You don't get anything on first down, and then you end up facing a bunch of third and long. Like seven, well, they were five of 17, I think, on third downs tonight. Yeah, 12 of those were third and six or longer. And, of course, they had the third and 30 that they ended up facing. So it's just it's like a snowball thing. It just they don't do well when they rush on first down and six of their first seven drives, they came out and tried to run it on to open the drive. And they just, other than that Chubb run, they got nowhere. And then they end up starting to throw on second and third down. You're getting passes batted. You're getting passes dropped and you're ending up in third and long. It's just the offense ends up a mess. And it all starts with first down when you're just not starting off the right way. It did feel like there, there was one of the plays where TJ Watt lined up over Hudson, didn't even rush. He took one step in and then dropped back and just waited, 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 floated, and then jumped up and knocked down Baker's pass because Baker dropped back, looked right, and TJ Watt was like, well, I know this is going to be a quick little outside thing, a quick little out, and I'm just going to wait here. I, I know that happens sometimes. This is a bad day of getting balls batted down. I don't know. It, like, it feels like Kevin's just, again, lost the art of it a little bit. I know he doesn't have Kareem. I know they're dealing with tackle situations. Obviously, he doesn't have full faith in his quarterback, but I don't know. Does anybody else just feel like, man, like this is this is not this guy at his best when it comes to dialing it up? Well, you know, it would help if they had somebody that could catch the football. I mean, what's going on with uh, Austin Hooper and Baker Mayfield? They've never had any chemistry. Let's be honest about that. I mean, come on. Those two guys have never had consistent chemistry. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when, when Donovan Peoples Jones caught the 22 yard pass, it, it was like, Oh, wow. Look, they, they, they completed a pass. I mean, it seems like, you know, what is so effortless for other football teams is uh, such a tremendous accomplishment for the Browns. But uh, you know, Austin Hooper, I thought the very first one, it was a high pass, but it sort of whistled through his hands and then he dropped one and Anthony Schwartz dropped one. So that, that was a whole first try. It was a disaster. Um, they're not winning contested balls. Okay. I mean, the pass catchers are just not good. Now, are they not good because the quarterback is waiting too long and they, they can't win contested balls because the ball is not getting there fast enough for them to make the play. And the defensive back is getting there and knocking it down. I mean, it, I think it's all, it all goes hand in hand, but I don't think 
that tonight, I don't think Baker was getting any help from guys that actually had passes in their hands and they should have either hung on to them or, or they, or they shouldn't have let them get knocked out by the defender. He didn't get help. I feel like, you know how sometimes people, you know, write those stories where they talk to 20 different people and you gather all the information and you write this TikTok, this behind the scenes thing. I feel like if and when the breakup of Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns happens, I feel like the lead to the story is tonight. That, you know, like Baker Mayfield sat in his locker, his shoulder harnessed to his, you know, all year he had fought this. And now even with the playoffs out of reach, Mayfield one last time was going to put his body on the line for the team that had drafted him four years earlier. He would never do it again. And he would never speak to Dan lobby again. Like that. This is like, this is, I, I mean, like that's what this podcast, I, am I wrong? I mean, that's what I wrote. My call was like, it was a goodbye to Ben. It felt like goodbye to two quarterbacks tonight. And it makes me, I moved past snarky joke, mad at bad play phase of things. And I'm on to like, you know what? This guy helped this team for four years and he should get a little appreciation on the way out the door because it's over. Like that's, that's what all the, now I'm not saying that's going to happen, but watching the game tonight, is it, is it not, did it feel like that? It felt as much of a goodbye to Baker as it did to big Ben. No. Well, you know what? Let me just say this. How how over did it feel when we saw Ben crying on the bench last year with Marquise Pouncey after that game? How over did that feel? Over True. isn't some sometimes over isn't over. I mean, it could be over, but sometimes, you know, it, it's not over until it's over. Right. We've never heard that before. But the truth of the matter is, yes, may, maybe it is over. Maybe that was the last conversation that we will ever have with Baker Mayfield in terms of the Browns media. Um, But I have seen stranger things happen where it feels like there's the point of no return. And then all of a sudden there is a return. Okay. So I I don't know yet. I mean, maybe, maybe they will, maybe some, something comes to a head and something happens and they decide there is a path forward. I don't know if there is one. It doesn't feel like it tonight, but I would just just caution that I have seen what seems to be over, not really be over. Right. I, I agree. I mean, all it takes is the Browns to look at their options and realize that starting Mitch Trubisky is not the best way to go. Right. It, a lot of it might depend on what the Browns realistically think they can do. And if they look at their situations and say, you know what? It's not better this offseason without Baker, so we're going to run it back. Then everybody's got to make nice and figure it out. So, I, you know, I think that can have the Steelers would have moved on, but Ben Roethlisberger decided he wanted to come back. And when your Hall of Fame quarterback decides he wants to come back, you come back and you win a bunch of rock fights to get to eight wins. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's what you do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I that. that I agree, Doug. It felt like it was over. It felt like we were saying goodbye to Baker. I think I even include that, included that in what I wrote in the after the game. But, like, there is definitely a scenario where the Browns look at this landscape and their guy's just not out there. And so it's, hey, let's, let's grin and bear this for another, another year at worst. Okay. 
let's look ahead to next week. Ashley, what what matters? What doesn't matter? Does anything matter? Do we think people will play? Is it different? I, I don't know. Like, again, sort of the discussion we had when they were eliminated to play us. It's like, well, do they play their guys or not? Do they try or not? But that was like they all week they had built up figuring like, hey, man, we have like our lives on the line. And then it was like on 24 hours notice that they have a whole week's notice. I don't know what what will ne- what should Browns fans expect out of next season, next week's season finale. Talk about existential crisis. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, it sounds like from Baker Mayfield talking that this was very likely he's he's not going to play in the Bengals game next week. Right. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see him. Um, the one tiny tidbit of good news I think that came out of post game was Miles Garrett. I did ask him about that groin injury, and he did mention that that felt a lot better. And I know we talked on the podcast yesterday about that. Obviously, those can spiral. In worst case scenario, they can eventually require surgery. And he said he felt much better compared to last week. So I think that's good. Um, and you know, he also mentioned, and so did Joel Batonio. And these are two guys who are leaders on this team, veterans about you know, that you're still a professional in the national football league and you have to come out and and play when the situation dictates it. So I think a lot of these guys are still going to want to play, even though it's all doom and gloom right now. And what matters, nothing matters like that sort of talk. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the the guys with major injuries, we're probably not going to see next week because what's, what's the point in making those worse. But um, some of these other guys, I think are going to try and fight through and get, get one last win here. Um, whether or not it's the the wise thing to do, I don't know, but I think some of them will try. Scott, I'm going to, we'll end with all this stuff. So you can either answer what's going to happen next week. You can give your final parting thought. Where are the Browns right now or anything else you want to talk about? How was your Christmas? Yeah. Was your Christmas good? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do agree that we probably won't see Baker. I think it's going to be Case Keenum and, whoever else feels healthy enough to play. Uh, you know, the Bengals still have something to play for. So I do not believe they're going to be sitting people um, for that game. So that could be ugly, but everybody who wants to see Case Keem in this offense might get their wish next week. And I do, look, I'm, I said on a podcast before that I'd really like to see Baker Mayfield healthy with, different, better receivers. I, I'm curious to see what that would look like. So I'm, I'm all for shutting him down, getting him through the surgery and bringing him back. But at the same time, today did kind of feel like, like it felt like an ending. I think that is, is a good takeaway from this game. Either way, though, I'm, I'm fine with it. Dan, what are you thinking right now? I'm thinking that next week's game is going to be a really difficult watch. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, Scott, you're right. The Bengals do still have something to play for, but I also wonder, like, what if Joe Burrow is a little bit dinged up and they're like, uh, you know what? Maybe it doesn't matter if we're third or fourth. We still get a home game. You know, now, now Bill Belichick is out there looming, so maybe they want to avoid him. But, you know, th- this just feels like we're going to play out the string this week and we'll I, it wouldn't surprise me if Kevin Stefanski tells us tomorrow that Case Keenum is going to start. Uh, because that would kind of, like I said earlier, that would put into place the mechanisms where we wouldn't talk to Baker Mayfield again this season. And that, that just might kind of be it. And it's sort of into off-season mode. All right, Mary Kay, All right. I, I always like finishing up with you. 
where are the Browns? What can you tell Browns fans about what next week might be like and what you think this offseason might be like for this franchise? You know, really kind of been saying it for a long time that something was going to have to come to come to a head between Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. The tension has been building. It bubbled over tonight. It came out everywhere in nine sacks, in post-game stuff. Um, and I think it's, it's evident that, uh, that there has to be uh, a resolution to this in, in some way, where they're either going to decide very soon that they're moving on. And I mean, they, they can't make a move until March. Okay. So they have a little time. They don't have to tell anybody what they're doing. Uh, but these two entities, the Baker camp and the Browns people, uh, they've got to get together and they have to, they have to make a determination. Is there any kind of a path forward or are we going to try to trade Baker? And if they try to trade Baker, then they're going to have probably have to do a creative financing type of situation because, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to unload that salary unless somebody really sees something in him and believes in him and thinks that he can be their starting quarterback. And I know that there are probably coaches out there that still feel like he can be that. Um, So they, you know, that would entail the Browns giving Baker's camp permission to go out and seek that trade letting them seek the trade, letting, letting people know that he's available and then trying to work a deal. And then also at the same time, scouting the heck out of the quarterbacks in the draft. And it's not a good quarterback draft. It's not a good quarterback draft or trying to figure out if you can make a trade for a quarterback or if you, if one is going to become available in some other way. So these are all things that need to happen and they kind of need to happen by, by the beginning of March. Can I make an admission that I am not proud of? Sure. I started watching college quarterback highlights the other night. It's not something I wanted to do, but I started with uh, Carson Strong of Nevada and Malik Willis of Liberty. So if you, cause listen, here's the thing that I actually think is interesting. It's not a great quarterback draft. Like at one or at two, or at five, or at seven, there's a grouping of dudes that I think are going to fall and be available that are interesting. And so, like, where my head is at is, if the Browns want to bring in a veteran and draft the guy in the second round, I think there are a multitude of possibilities. And I will also say, I think Baker Mayfield was the right pick in 2018 because they could not afford to whiff. They could not afford to whiff then. And they didn't I disagree. Whiff. I disagree uh, no, with you I know, on that. No, you know no, that. I, know. I know. But but if they would have if they would have got if they would have had a, a Josh Rosen situation or a Sam Darnold situation, like it would have it would have been awful, right? But I do think now they have enough in place that you can swing on upside. So you can swing on a guy who maybe isn't perfect but has a huge arm and or, or swing on a guy who maybe isn't perfect but is super mobile and can do a lot of the things. And then if it hits, it hits. So um I think I think there are opportunities there, and I think that's probably where their heads are at. And here we are, and the season's not over. We're talking about college quarterbacks. So, but so, if so, I have I have this image in my mind of Doug sitting in his office, and somebody opens the door, and Doug slams his laptop shut, and he's like, "I wasn't watching Kenny Pickett." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, how dare you? Let me look at your search engine history. What is this? 
Matt Corral, Matt Corral. How? But I, that's the thing. It's like it's not really Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell and Matt Corral because it's like the next tier guys. So I think there's some options in there. One more thing real quick. And this is going to be a podcast for another day. And I think it'll be a good podcast, Doug. Let's you and I revisit and everybody can join in. Let's revisit 2018. Let's revisit uh, why Baker Mayfield was a safe pick when in actuality he, he would have been an outlier if he would have been wildly successful early on because guys that size generally aren't, uh, you know, just a, a slam dunk. So I, I would let's let's do that sometime. That'll be fun. I, I agree because I think I might I think I might be a little more on Doug's side on this one. But I don't know. Yeah, we need to do this as a podcast sometime. No, I, I do think it's interesting to revisit. But again, like he's not. There's two hits, two giant misses, and then Baker in that five quarterback first round. So like he's not, you know, he's he's not a miss. He's not a miss. No. And that's like that's I think important. That's why I wanted to write that because it's like, listen, man, this guy got this franchise to a, to a spot. He helped him. He did. This is not, this is not four lost years of, of complete disaster, you know, like they accomplished some stuff and that he was a part of, and I think people need to, to keep that in mind, but that doesn't mean that you should keep doing it just because he was proud of the city and fought his butt off. I mean, like it's, you've got to make the right thing, by the way, Sam Darnold stunk in New York and the Panthers traded a second round pick for him. So it's like, you actually might be able to get something for him. I mean, honestly, like if, I mean, everybody thinks like, Oh, ho, ho. well, that he was bad there, but I can fix him. He would be right in the range of like some quarterback guru who thinks he can, has a chance to fix somebody. And he might, mm-hmm. that's the thing. But like the Browns can't like live in fear of like, well, what if Baker Mayfield goes and is somewhere good, everybody else great, somewhere else. Great. Go be good. That's fine. We'll meet him in the Super Bowl. They got to get, the quarterback that fits what they want to do. So anyway, big off season ahead, but it's actually crazy. Mary Kay, when you say that, like March is not that far away. I know that, that like this actually, this is not going to be potentially like nine months of this. It it could be decided pretty quick. So, and and let's not forget a lot of these trades get announced in, I'm not saying this will happen, but they do sometimes get announced in January or February. Yeah, they do. And it's already time to go to the senior bowl almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> we're going to be back at the combine talking to yeah. quarterbacks. Hey, if we're going back to 2018, can we talk about how Lamar Jackson should have been a wide receiver? <laughs> well, all you guys were talking to Sam Darnold oh, and Baker and, and Josh Rosen that year. I was over with uh, Lamar Jackson listening to this poor guy answer questions about why he's a quarterback. How far <laughs> we've come. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right. That's our post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash Browns. All the coverage there. Bunch of stuff up from the post-game. And then we'll have a bunch of podcasts this week leading up to whatever's going to happen against the Bengals next weekend. For now, for Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Dan Lobby, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.